0: I have been longing for this moment for a while. Now to realize that I'm living in it was amazing. Somebody got so so so. Somebody got so so You could feel the energy in this room, in this shrine. It was a very very moving experience for me. But the most moving part of that experience to me was that there was an energy transfer that went on. If I wasn't there, I would have thought it was staged. Within this family shrine, which Luis called their Cabildo, he motioned us to sit down in these handmade chairs that were actually three-dimensional drums. He referred to them as Cajuns, but they were quite different from the Cajuns I was used to seeing. But he went on to explain that when his ancestors were brought to Cuba from Africa they couldn't bring their drums or any belongings so they had to mimic their drums by crafting furniture so that the plantation owners would not find their drums during the inspections he looked at me in motion for me to play along with him and I realized every surface of this chair created a different tone once we exited the cabildo and stepped into the street Actually, it was a dirt road. we seen this dusty figure approaching us. Luis had this incredulous look on his face and and he said, daddy, daddy, what are you doing here? And the two embraced and clearly something truly amazing had happened. Luis introduced us to his father and said, daddy, meet your new sons. We hugged him and embraced him. At that moment, I realized that his father was in a hospital road and he was very very frail and Luis explained to us later that his dad was in a hospital with no means of communication yet somehow he sensed that something was going on in that cabildo he literally could sense the energy shift going on and was moved to get out the bed leave the facility and walk home and meet us I was pretty baffled by this moment by playing this object that was commonplace i was channeling the african ancestors who had literally imagined a way to continue their culture their soul soul, craft, through the hidden means that were invisible to most people but available in plain sight to the initiated
1: I first heard about Walter Harris a few months ago when watching that documentary, A Tuba to Cuba on Amazon Prime. In the dock, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band takes a trip to Cuba to discover the origins of New Orleans jazz. The trip was a moving experience for so many in the band, as they connected with the musicians, the students, and the people of Cuba. In the last half hour, The drummer of Preservation Hall Jazz Band makes an appearance. He goes into a shrine in Cuba and has an almost out-of-body experience. You can kind of see the connection he has to his roots, to the African culture, to something beyond the physical world. Walter Harris was where he was meant to be. He's a lead drummer in the most iconic jazz band in the country. He was discovering his roots. He was in touch with his spiritual side. But one quote from Walter in the documentary made me rewind and watch it again. Music saved my life. I'm Sierra Thompson, and this is Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast that shares the incredible story of Walter Harris. Needle
0: and thread, needle and thread, needle and thread.
1: Walter found a power within himself that allowed him to change his life. He became an architect of his own dreams and a beacon of positivity. Through the power of imagination, Walter is able to shape his life to fit his vision. On this podcast, not only do we want you to be inspired by Walter's personal story, But we want you to understand that you too can wield the power of imagination and change your life for the better. This is Episode 1, Searching for Belonging. Walter Harris was born in September of 1970 to a family of musicians in New Orleans. His maternal grandfather, George Brooks Sr., was a gospel singer, and his uncles, George Jr., Detroit, and Mark, all played in the church band. His grandparents lived on one side of a double shotgun on Flood Street in the Lower Ninth Ward, and his parents lived on the other side. Music was in his blood. New Orleans music was in his blood. Preservation Hall was on the other side of town.
2: This is Ben, Ben Jaffe. I'm uh, the bassist, and tuba player with the Preservation Hall Band. And I uh, am the son of the two founders of Preservation Hall, Alan and Sandra Jaffe. Part of Walter's journey, the physical place that he grew up, the neighborhood that he grew up in, as beautiful as the people are and the community is in that neighborhood, in the Lower Ninth Ward, Holy Cross neighborhood, it can feel very isolated because it it sits just across a canal. So you have to cross a bridge over into this neighborhood so that you're, you're actually leaving one place and going to another place when you go to the Lower Ninth Ward. And because of that, it has a physical isolation to it. And if you're from the Lower Ninth Ward, you wear that, you know, people know that you're from the Lower Ninth Ward. It's a distinguishing piece of information that lets people know something about you without you having to say anything that that means something. Particularly the period of time that Walter was growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s. There's good, good people in the Lower Ninth Ward, some of the the most intelligent, wisest, talented, charismatic people I've ever met. You know, it's also a place where you can easily uh, get wrapped up into a lifestyle because that's what's available. Sometimes I, I would I would almost say that there's not even sometimes there's not even a choice. New and
0: friend. Needle friend. You know, I always yearned to have that sibling relationship. I always searched for it within my friends and then the people that I became close to in the neighborhood. So a lot of times that led me to pick up on a bunch of bad and unproductive habits that I really wasn't aware of at the time. A few of my buddies were raised in single parent households and by their moms working a lot, they spent half of the time with their grandmothers. Not to mention that grandma's neighborhood was pretty rough as well. So many, many times they would bring home these unhealthy and unproductive behaviors. And at the time, they seemed to be cool to me. And, you know, I was cool with anything and was down for any of the challenges that they had. And this frequent participation in these undisciplined behaviors pretty much desensitized me. And I became desensitized of all the moral, spiritual, and ethical upbringings. It wasn't long before I realized that I'm in a bad place, and I really didn't desire to be here. However, I had my
1: uncles. Walter's family, particularly his uncle Mark, saw these habits forming and saw that he was running with the wrong crowd.
0: My Uncle Mark, he was the youngest. And he was more on the scene because he was still living with my grandmother. And we lived right next door to my grandmother. So he started to notice a lot of change in me and the change in the company that I was keeping. And he did try to prevent it by hanging out with me a little more. But I had displayed these bad behaviors so long that I nurtured them into this vortex of hypnotic rhythm and I became very very comfortable with this behavior
1: Walter dove deeper into his friends habits of petty crime and the street drug epidemic of the 1980s but there was another community he discovered that would propel his life to a new level on the other side of this struggle let's go get him. let's go get him. The New Orleans Mardi Gras Indians started practicing their dance traditions sometime in the 1800s. Traditionally, African Americans in New Orleans celebrated the support of Native Americans for sheltering and integrating escaped slaves into their communities around the swamps and forests of the South. They did this through dressing, also called masking, around the Mardi Gras season. Their unique ornate beaded and feathered costumes can take an entire year to put together. Each of the Mardi Gras Indians has a role to play. There are spy boys, flag boys, wild men, and the big chief. The entire group is followed by percussionists. The ceremonial procession is loose and the parade is not scheduled for a particular time or route. The dance, the costumes, the masks, the tradition, the drums, Walter was hooked. let go 'em. go 'em. go
0: 'em. go I actually had a neighbor that masked with the wild magnolia. He was the flag boy. And I watched my neighbor go back and forth to the costume shop shopping for feathers, and I got to see him mask a couple of times. And That gave me a lifelong cultural love affair that, to this day, I still adore and support. It had to be around the year of 1982-1983 Mardi Gras season that was one of the most special Mardi Gras to me. It was the Mardi Gras that I was sent to the car to retrieve some bags from my mother and was immediately distracted by these drums that I hear from a distance. But I seemed to be able to feel these drums. They sounded further than they felt. So I quickly brought the bags into my mom's and made my way back outside because I needed to find out where these drums were coming from. So as I proceeded to walk to the corner, I could hear the voices of excitement from the people that were present at this engagement. And once I reached the second corner, I could actually see these feathers that canvassed the whole neighborhood. And I mean, red, green, purple, orange, white, yellow, there were all the colors of the rainbow. And it was a grand multitude of happy and excited followers that consisted of family members friends and community but the most intensive moment for me was the energy that i noticed that was being displayed from these indians that frequently visit the corners of this neighborhood they were protecting the corners from all directions of the big chief house and they were there to make sure that no other indians would Bum rushed the big chief before he got ready. And these guys seemed to be in a different space of time. They were totally zoned out. And it seemed that they only communicated amongst each other with these body gestures and hand signals. They were very, very loud and very vocal in identifying their positions and making it known that they were waiting on their big chief. Because they were constantly calling for the Big Chief. But I found it quite exciting to watch them dancing and chanting. And gracefully as they moved in a hostile manner within a two-block radius until the Big Chief came out. And once the Big Chief came out, everything really, really got exciting. And there was so much excitement that there was a happy energy within the community that I I became very, very mesmerized in the moment. I started having the same feeling that I experienced in church, and it is a feeling of comfort and happiness. Comfort, happiness, and freedom. And this consistent drum groove that the bass drum played was mesmerizing in itself. The bass drum was supported by a group of tambourine and cowbell players. These guys doubled as background singers for the Big Chief, as he sung his favorite cultural hymns. And then I suddenly found myself caught in a vortex. This vortex of what I identify as cosmic rhythm force. I was in a form of hypnotism. I was in the hypnotic state of happiness, what I call it. And I seemed not to be the only one because everyone seemed to be in a state of hypnotized happiness. In between the drums and the feathers, I don't know, I I felt this sense of freedom and security. And I wandered off with this entourage of people that consisted of the community supporters, the families of the tribe, and friends. And I felt a sense of comfort that I never felt before with a group of strangers. But when I realized where I was, and that the neighborhoods had changed about three times, I come to realize that I've wandered off approximately five miles from my neighborhood. But when I come to realize, I had to quickly turn around, which was something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to cut out on this great energy that I've been enjoying for the last past three hours, I guess it was. But I know I needed to get back home because I know my parents were probably worried. And of course, the walk was like a meditative walk because walking back across the same grounds that I came through with this group of this entourage of people that I just left just made me realize how much fun and how much I enjoyed being with that group of Indians. Not to mention that I had just made this walk through with a a beautiful group of people that carried this great energy. And realizing that I found my place in this culture that we have. And I was really happy and couldn't wait to revisit these people and find out the quickest way to be a part of this culture.
1: Walter had become part of something that wasn't his family. And he felt that belonging he longed for. He had found his tribe.
0: I found my niche in the culture, and I knew it wouldn't be long before I'd be masking as Indian myself.
1: So, Walter had found something. And the Mardi Gras Indians will play a huge role in his life in the coming decades. But we'll get to that in a later episode. When Walter was a teenager, that something he found wasn't everything he was looking for. Throughout high school, he also became more and more involved in the drug culture.
0: Yeah, the drug culture was a big distraction for me. I did make it through high school, of course, with the dreams of being a musician like the rest of my family. And I had also adopted a love for the funeral home service because I met a few guys who were funeral directors and embalmers, and I really admired the pride that they had in the community service and the care that they had. For the community in the time of need and in the process of dealing with this now owned up to drug addiction that I had adopted, my auntie Juanita, which was a very big inspiration in my life, was really pushing for me to engage back in school and she was aware of my passions for playing music and also for my passion of becoming a funeral director. And she was willing to invest financially into my future. So she did give me the money to pay my first semester. And I must say that that was one of the best feelings that I had ever had in my life. So unfortunately, after I left Needle the campus, bread. I was on my way home and, and bread. Needle and thread. Needle and thread. It didn't take very long before I wanted to celebrate this moment. And my way of celebrating back then wasn't the healthiest way of celebrating. So in my preparation to celebrate this moment that I had just experienced, I was greeted by the police in the midst of preparing my celebration. And sadly to say that, I never made my first semester. In fact, I went to jail with my schedule and the receipt for the payment of my first semester.
1: Needle Coming up on Finding Life's Rhythm, Walter goes to jail for the first time. It's there that he starts to find himself and become who he's meant to be. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast about musician Walter Harris. Be sure to subscribe to this show on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when the next episode comes out next week. This episode is written and produced by Jason Gilligan, Greg Lucas, and me, Sierra Thompson, for Earfluence. Music for this episode is from Walter Harris. For more on Preservation Hall, be sure to visit preservationhalljazzband.com. I'm Sierra Thompson, and we'll see you next time on Finding Life's Rhythm new and thread, Newland new Newland New New